Hello, Sawabona, Molo, Unjan, Ashe, how's it? I am Samantha Herbst, and I am joined by the very lovely Samantha Steele, renowned parenting journalist and rock star mom. Sam is here to take your hand, whoever you may be, and guide you in our discussion. Sam, Samantha Steele, hello and welcome. Before we deep dive into today's topic, tell us who you are and why we are doing a podcast about nannies in the first place. Hi, Sam. Thank you so much for having me on today. I am a massive fan of The Great Equalizer, and I was very excited to collaborate with you on this super niche topic. Nannies are a very uniquely South African dynamic. Although you get lots of childcare options across the world, South Africa is one of the few countries where nanny childcare is a very kind of normal thing to do, where lots of parents have taken up that option. So when I had my first child, I've got a little two-year-old and I'm currently pregnant. We were looking at hiring a nanny. Uh, my husband and I decided to delay creation, rather have a one-on-one -on -one relationship with a caregiver in our house. And trying to hire a nanny was a very tricky experience for us. There's so much to navigate. There's no resources. There's nothing to, to read about it. Yeah, I've got to say, I mean, this is one of those topics where Charlene and I on The Great Equalizer will talk at length about this type of thing. And we've done an episode before on childcare where we chatted about the benefits of creches versus nanny relationship. I chose one route, Charlene chose another. And you're absolutely right. There's a lot more to it. So when you did approach us about doing a collaboration and about deep diving into the topic, I was like, yes, because the information out there is very limited. And I, th I think it's one of those things that people don't often talk about, you know, you kind of keep it to yourself, what you pay in any, how you navigate UIF, how you, you know, deal with conflict in the home, how you deal with attachment. These are all things that we're going to be unpacking in this series. I do think it's just one of those things that you, you tend to ask your girlfriends when you get desperate enough, you know? Well, exactly, Sam. I mean, I found that I'm in a few mommy WhatsApp groups. I'm sure most parents are on some kind of a WhatsApp group of some kind mm -hmm. and because there's no resources no information no official documents very little help from the government very little legal information even of the bare minimum you're supposed to do and you end up kind of soundboarding with other parents seeing what they're doing which means that inherently your data is restricted to a very small bubble of people that are just like you and this, the, the real goal for me was to change that, to let's try build up some official information. Let's speak to the experts. Let's build up a place where people can come for reliable, helpful, educational content that's aimed at both nannies who are also resourceless in the world of employment and for the parents trying to hire nannies. So it was really important to me to talk not just to the experts who might not be living the experience, but also to moms and nannies who are like in the trenches trying to make this work. Mm. So like me, you are a parenting journalist. You are out there with access to all of these professionals. So we get the real skinny on, on information, what's legally expected of us. But then, as you say, you get because there's so much heart to to this dynamic and that's what we'll be getting into today is just learning to navigate sort of what what is expected of us legally um, from an employee and an employer perspective you know so looking at the black and white of this relationship 
and looking at, you know, sort of the gray tones in between, the nuances, because it is a heavily nuanced relationship. And as you said in the beginning, so unique to the South African context. But they say it's also one of the few relationships that's just inherently very complicated because although there are legal parameters, very few, I might add, and often not adequate for the actual needs of human people that are being hired. <laughs> it's also a, a real relationship. It's, 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 the most, it's one of the most intimate working relationships that you can have with someone because it's your child, it's your, it's your children, and it's someone in your house. I mean, the, it's such a unique job. You know, and there's nothing to help people do this job and to help people hire people to do this job. It also feels like it, it has such high stakes for either party. So in especially in this post-COVID environment or current in the middle of COVID environment, we are, you know, navigating sort of financial insecurity worldwide. So for nannies looking for a job. It's a it's a tricky dynamic to to kind of navigate here because you you do have your livelihood at stake. And at the same time for parents, it's new parenthood. And it's this it's handing your your child over to who is essentially a stranger in the very beginning. It is difficult and emotions run high and you can't see the wood for the trees often. So we are here to try and navigate that uh, for our listeners, right? And this is this is our very first episode. We are going to be deep diving into one very particular topic. Sam, what are we going to be chatting about today? Well, let's start at the beginning. Let's talk about hiring a nanny and how to be hired as a nanny. Mm. Like, how do you find the right person? I find that people are often recommending people on WhatsApp groups, on Facebook. How do you like there's no organization of nannies that you can work through. It's all agencies and one-on-one and people and word of mouth. So how do you find the right person? And as a nanny, how do you find the right family to work with? Because it's a very intense working relationship as we as we will discover. Yeah, absolutely. So having having just gone through this myself, I can admit that it it is a lot. I, I was hesitant. I was like, can I not just do a school thing? Because then I know I, I trust the school, um, you know, where Elijah's at. But we were in the middle of COVID and it it, it, it was just, yeah, I had to go the nanny route uh, and, not, and veer away from what I knew initially. But it was a lot. And I think my hesitation was that one-on-one contact with the nanny, establishing a relationship with someone new and having someone else in my home. It was, it was, a, it was a lot of stress initially um but now i'm on month about four or five i'm still working on a contract as terrible as, as that is because we've we've been recording this podcast we've been chatting about this content and i know what i should be doing and it's so di- it's so difficult so the, the interview process was hard for me i relied heavily on you i chatted to charlene who will also be joining us in a few episodes she won't always be here but she, she will be tapping in and out yeah so i, I, I relied heavily on you and your and Charlene's knowledge, because you had done this before, knowing what to pay was hard, knowing, trying to figure out the hours, because for me, parenting is 24-7. So to, to be like, okay, can you only be here until five? <laughs> can you not be here until, you know, like after bath time? Because I need all the hands. You know? But what's legal is legal. You can't have someone here for 14, 15 hours a day, even if they are live-in. So there are definitely many teething issues. There's a lot that 
even in navigating this and having access to all the professionals and having access to you who had been through it, it was so difficult for me to navigate this this new dynamic in my household. For sure, Sam. And I had the same thing when I was hiring my nannies. It's partly it's it's figuring out what's like what are other people doing? What's normal? Am I taking advantage or am I being taken advantage of? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel as the is what people get also worried about. You want to do right by by the person that you're hiring as well. And that I felt very strongly about that, you know. So I was like, I want to do right by my kids. And now I've got someone else that I feel responsible for. It was it was very difficult. So, yeah, as, as you were saying. And I mean, I think there's a reality as an employer about wanting to kind of get the the most value for your, your money. <laughs> but at the same breath, hopefully you're an empathic employer. And for many people, this is their first time employing someone. Mm. I mean, we'll go into that later in future episodes. But for many people, this is their first time being a boss, being an employer, having to have things like contracts in place, which you don't even, some people don't even know they have to do, right? Mm. So, I mean, we're going to be exploring all that stuff as we unfold the details about hiring a nanny. And that's why I touched base with Jacqueline Zaki Tinkler for this first episode. She launched a nanny and tutor placement agency called All Pay For You. But she's come quite a long way in the industry and she's got some really great insights about how to hire how to hire the right fit. Didn't Jackie own the Babysitter Club? That's her. That's the exact one. She's helped celebs like Leanne Liebenberg find the perfect babysitter, as well as diplomats like the Saudi royal family. I would love to know what was on the requirements list. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so this is this is what Jackie had to say about parents' expectations ahead of the hiring process. Parents have to be a little bit lenient. I think as a mommy myself in the beginning, I was super nervous. I was pregnant on my last and thinking, how am I going to find the right candidate? So I think my expectations were a little bit too high. I wanted someone with first aid knowledge. I wanted certificates. I wanted experience. But when I went into this business, I found that a lot of candidates also have a lot of exposure and experience dealing with children, not official academic certificates or qualifications, but they've got heart, you know, and that's what you're looking for because you can always upskill a candidate. Red Cross have first aid training and that, that's great, you know, that's what you want. And if you're willing to, to spend the money on further courses for the candidates, it's to benefit you, you know, and your child. So at the end of the day, what I look for is heart because we are really looking after people's children. And that's, you know, a humanitarian focus for me because I'm very, you know, passionate about children and care for children. So if they display the same sort of attributes, you've won over my heart, you know, so that's important. So I think parents can be a little bit lenient in that aspect. For candidates, I think if they can sort of uh, expose themselves to going out there and volunteering at childcare homes, orphanages, you know, I think that exposure to that way of life and, and how you, you nurture a child and, and the fundamentals of raising a child, um, they see that, you know, so that's important to me. So Sam, tell us more about your child's nanny. You know, who is she? How did you come to know her? What was the interview process like? And did your nanny have any sort of child minor training before she started working for you? So I must say, when we started to look for a nanny, I did get a bit hung up on like what qualifications I expected from that person. My husband in particular was quite anxious about that. But 
we had a very lovely once weekly domestic worker who would come in. I was on six months maternity leave and Precious would come in once a week on Tuesdays. And she was very sweet and kind. And there were days I was alone with my little one all day. And there were days when she just wouldn't stop crying. And the days when Precious was there were never those days. Precious and Maya bonded immediately. And after a lot of discussion, my husband and I decided, you know what, we can pay for a CPR course, but we can't pay someone to have a good bond with our baby. Like, I, like it's that hiring with heart thing. Either there's, there is that good relationship and that good feeling about the person and the good gut feeling you got that this is a, a kind person who's empathic mm-hmm. um, or they're not. And also getting on, I mean, we trusted Precious. We'd known her for years at that stage. So after a discussion with her about whether she'd be willing to move to full-time with us, which she was, thankfully, we paid for her to do some additional training and some ongoing training with courses like educational play, for example. And Precious has been just an amazing fit. She's known my now toddler since she was four months old. And they seem to genuinely like each other, (laughs) the two of them. We'll make jokes and play. And um, I'm so glad that we decided to upskill a really good person who wouldn't have been able to upskill herself rather than hire someone who might not have been as good a fit for us. So what credentials were were you looking for that kind of, I won't say they went out the window, but the expectation that you had, you know, once you saw that you had someone with the right heart, you know, and that was a good fit in your family and bonded well with your child. It didn't become as as important, but I'm curious to know what are those credentials that you were looking out for? Well, one pretty basic one is knowing CPR and first aid. And that was definitely the first thing we paid for, for her to to learn. So I found a general nanny course that we, that we put pressures on, which kind of just covered like sanitation, like how to bottle feed, I did a lot of my own research on how things I wanted done and how I wanted them done in my household without me there. And also you were a first time mom. So that's exactly (laughs) the the anxiety on how you want things done. Is there anything more frustrating than a first time mom who's Mm. got a very specific idea in her head? (laughs) No, and you have to respect that because that's the, the best way she knows how to do how to mom. And it was good for both of us. Like Precious and I both learned how to navigate this relationship. We both learned about like we both did the CPR course together, you know, I hadn't done one either. <laughs> so. Yes, yeah. It's all it's all new to, to everybody. So I, I think exactly. it's great as a first-time mom to also acknowledge that. You're, you're not an expert. You're expecting these credentials. But at the same time, do we actually know what we're doing if our, if our kid had to swallow something? <laughs> what? Well, exactly, exactly. And I mean, Precious came home from trading, teaching, teaching me about certain things to do in a class that I hadn't even thought about. So I think it, it was really good. Like I was quite happy to have upskilled her and give it like if she does decide to leave our employment, she's now got those qualifications. You know, I can't uh, take them away. Not that I'd want to, but they're now hers. You know, I've upskilled her, which is good for my family, but it's also good for her. It gives her more options and more opportunities than than working as a domestic worker who was juggling several families. I feel like she's loving working with one family she told me it's it's a bit easier than working with six different families which mm. is what she was doing previously. but also like I can see the reward she and my child get from the relationship they have with each other it's independent from my relationship with them and Precious and I get on really well we'll often have nice big chats in the kitchen while I'm juggling meetings and Maya's at school and all that stuff 
So we, we, we're talking about hiring with heart, yeah, but the advice is just as great for candidates as well. So being hired with heart and feeling like you're a good fit. We chat, I chatted about us being in the current financial crisis that we're in. Finances for, for nannies, is, it's an assumption that I'm making, but ha- hasn't always been you know, that easy to navigate even prior to COVID. And now job security is just the importance of it is at an all-time high. Can nannies really yeah. afford to hire with heart or to be hired with heart to feel like they're a good fit? It's such a hard one because I feel like affording courses, like there's so many courses you can do, but we'll get into that at a later episode. It's quite hard to do. Like you've got to have disposable income to be able to upskill yourself. So I feel like on some level, it's up to employers to have an open mind and an open an open eye for who will be a good fit for the family apart from qualifications and then look at how they can upskill from then on out. It's also really important when you're looking at, at hiring and then need to look at what your expectations are in terms of the kind of hours that they're going to be working, leave days, overtime, all the things that impact pay um, and that impact your day-to-day life, which I mean, I must admit is, is tricky because as Sam was saying with the difficult financial situation the world's going through at the moment, working moms are also vulnerable yeah. to having their own jobs. Yeah, 100%. So you did, you spoke to Jackie about this and the exploitation of nannies as well. Let's hear what she had to say. A lot of nannies are being exploited and taken advantage of. I do understand moms are working out there. A lot of corporate moms that I've helped place nannies with. But in reality, it's a maximum 45-hour week. So Monday to Friday is 40 hours and then the five hours on a Saturday and thereafter, it should be paid, you know, a person should be paid time and a half. And then on Sunday, double pay. And it's, you know, it should be stated up front in the contract if that's what they're looking for. So the nanny understands what her, you know, role is and the hours working. But I also believe that families should also understand they've also got families. They also have to catch transport to get home and tend to their children. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, it should be stipulated up front, you know, what the hours are, what is expected. Sometimes they want the nanny to do domestic work as well. And I understand nannies do have to do some light housework. That's fine. But if you're managing twins, a baby, a five-bedroom house, a dog, you know, you're not going to cope and and, and your children are going to lack the care from that nanny. So it's not beneficial. I'd rather have a domestic worker help out a few days a week or something and then have the nanny as a primary caregiver to those children. In an ideal world, that would be the setup. But I, I do think it's financially straining to have so many people working for you. I'm speaking from a mom's perspective to have someone who's able to take care of my house while I'm trying to operate a full time job, manage a household, and then be able to afford a nanny. I think that's a whole different can of worms is the affordability of it. But what makes a heck of a lot of sense is not expecting too much. You know, I I have this really, you know, it's kind of a pet peeve of mine when people talk about moms being superheroes who can do it all. Yes, we can do it all. Should we? No. So by the same token, we cannot expect our nannies to do it all either. If I'm hiring someone to look after my child because I couldn't manage housework and childcare, then I can't expect my nanny to do the same. So what is your setup, Sam? Well, I, mean, I think it comes back to what's your priority. I mean, would you rather come home and see the dishes are done but your child is unhappy 
And it's just important to keep that in mind. I mean, my setup, so Precious uh, was a domestic worker for many years, and I genuinely think she loves cleaning <laughs> way more than I do, that's for sure. Like, the second Maya's down for a nap, Precious has got her, her sleeves up around her elbows, ready to start washing, and it's like, it's actually your lunch break, you should you should not be doing anything right now. Yeah, you should be going and relaxing, yeah, take this time, because when she wakes up, then, you know, all hell then breaks all loose again. Hell break loose, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I think it's important to manage your expectations. And to be a bit more realistic about what matters, right? So, I mean, obviously, we all want a clean house. I don't think anyone enjoys living in a in a filthy house. But it's more important that your child is well looked after and well stimulated and has a good relationship than that the floor is mopped. Yeah. And being able to hire two separate people, like you said, it would be the ideal. Some people can do that in South Africa. There are some people who have got um, that kind of income but i mean can they adopt me because uh, <laughs> <laughs> that would be too, nice <laughs> so i think domestic work is for many nannies part of the deal depending on which income bracket they're being employed by mm. but as a parent you you need to be you need to be forgiving of what you expect and what what matters yeah i mean let's be realistic here parents is you also got two hands, so your your primary job is your primary job, I get that. But then your secondary job, especially if you're working from home, which a lot of us are, wash your own damn cup and put it in the dishwasher, you know, because your <laughs> nanny's primary job is looking after your child and not cleaning up after you. So if you get to the end of the day and there's certain things that aren't done, do not get annoyed because you know what? Your child is looked after and safe and that, that is the, the, the primary thing here. You know, nannies are nannies and domestic houseworkers are domestic houseworkers. And while the lines often blur, and that's part of the nuance of, of this relationship. Yeah, but this South African dynamic. For yeah, sure. manage your expectations here and have grace with yourself and with the person that you, that you employ, right? Yeah, and I mean, when you come home and you see the dishes are dirty, but your child is happy and fed, that should be okay. And it's, it's hard to remember always as a, as a parent, I guess, coming in, the, the, the things that are easy to measure are not always the things that matter. Mm. And, um, and, and what can you measure, Sam, is it what, what you see in terms of housework. But, I mean, the, the, we all know kind of the, the unseen, quote-unquote, load of, of motherhood. And when you are leaving your child with a nanny, that, that also becomes their burden to bear. So we're talking about... Um, not only emotional regulation work, and and that's the, yep. the that's that primarily what you're doing when you're looking after a child all day, but then I suppose the measurable things there are nappies, feeds, medication, activities. So maybe a logbook might help, especially in the beginning, but especially for moms as well who are transitioning from looking after their child full full time and handing mm. over that care to somebody else, not to keep tabs on what. Your nanny's doing all the time because I think over control can also be quite damaging, but also so that you know what's gone into those eight, nine hours in a day, which feel very long, but at the same time they go so quickly and there's a lot that needs to get done in just eight or nine hours that your nanny is with your child. That, that's a tricky thing about being a full-time working parent is that you, the bulk of your day, you're not with your child anymore. And that's where trusting the caregiver you've chosen and also having that good communication is so, so important. And I do agree with the logbook idea. Precious and I did that a lot when she was first. Okay, at that stage, my child was six months old. So we were still 
keeping track of every single nappy, but it just helped us be on the same page without having to over-communicate, if that makes sense. Yeah. She could check what I'd done during the night, I could check what she'd done during the day, and then we could touch base quite easily about it when when we handed over. Mm. So besides logistics, Sam, also hours that you negotiate and division of labor that you negotiate and pay, which we'll get to a bit later. Besides all of that, what else should parents be asking in an interview? What types of questions should nannies listening be prepared for? Well, I think it's important to remember from both sides that this, this in some ways, is like a normal job. Like you need to have a good culture fit. So as the nanny, look out for signs that this family might not be a good fit for you in terms of what they believe and how they're going to procure the employee employee and as a parent also look for whether or not you like this person with on some kind of a gut level but i mean let, let's let jackie get into it Here, here's what she had to say first and foremost for me i would definitely ask for references and preferably from non-family references sometimes we've had au pairs and it's come from the auntie or the uncle so non-family references are important and then the references from the candidates, it should state, you know, how many children she was taking care of, the ages of the babies or the children, duties and responsibilities, and then areas of improvement. So questions I would definitely ask, what is your passion? What do you enjoy? What age groups do you enjoy? Some only prefer babies. Some, you know, prefer toddlers. Some prefer, you know, the teenagers. So make sure you've got a full understanding of what experience the candidate has and what is expected of her and what she can physically do. I think it's important to remember that being a childminder is a very skilled job. It's a unique, you've got a unique set of skills to do that job. Yeah, again, do not overload your nanny and, and be realistic. Did Jackie say anything about foreign nationals and work permits? You know, in my experience, although obviously you're hiring someone, it feels like an informal sector you know, domestic house workers. But if you're going to be doing things by the book, then technically they need to have a work permit. But we all know that it's it's often not that easy. So what did Jackie say about this? Did you, did you touch base on that? Because I think a lot of nannies listening are going to be coming from uh, Zimbabwe, Malawi, you know, neighboring countries, Swaziland, Mozambique. What does Jackie have to say about that? It's definitely something that you should be aware of and that you should know. And I mean, ideally your nanny would have a work permit it's better for a lot of uh, legal reasons but she also touched on on this in relation to how nannies can put their best foot forward in in an interview so if you're a nanny listening yeah this will put you a cut above the rest okay so yeah about what will make nanny stand out this is what jackie had to say there are foreign uh, candidates just ensure that you've got your work permit in place a refugee is allowed to work in South Africa, but you've got to have your refugee permit. I think it's a home affairs in Pretoria. I'm not too sure which one it is that do that, but have your, your documents in place that you are legit and legal to work in South Africa. And then get yourself out there. Go and do first aid courses. That's very important because, you know, you, you want to know your child's taken care of by the right person, the candidates. And first aid is safety. And then also security. I mean, make sure that you're, you know, you're up to date on the security and information about your, your nearest police station in, in case something does happen and contact details. And then parents as well to have an emergency contact list, you know, on your fridge. Mainly um, just to cut yourself above the rest of everyone, just make sure you do a lot of um, community service with children, uh, volunteer yourself out, out at orphanages or, or childcare facilities. 
And then references from non-family members would be important. The recruiter will contact those references and the recruiter will, will really dissect those references and find out was she on time, was she diligent. I think parents want to know they're getting someone who's responsible, who's not going to sit on the cell phone the whole day and neglect the child. You know, you want someone involved with your child. So references are key in, in, in terms of finding out the character of a person and then also the capabilities of that person. So, yeah, the reality is that this is what these are the things that parents are looking out for. But I have to say on the foreign national side, work permits and additional qualifications because they cost to to do them um, are not easy to come by. So what Jackie mentions is firstly on the permit side, you know, foreign nationals need to get permits, but also she suggests that uh, nannies who are currently unemployed should do what they can to upskill themselves. But in my experience, I feel like that often comes from the employer once they employ the nanny, right? I think the tricky thing is budget. So being able to afford the courses. I mean, if you're unemployed, spending two grand on a CPR course, you know, is a bit of a stretch. Mm. But that being said, I have interviewed nannies who have intentionally been upskilling themselves and that is something um, I would love to discuss with you at some stage, Sam, is the opportunities for upskilling that there are available out there. I just, I mean, my what I'm speaking to is the the budget to do it in particular. Like where do, yeah. as someone who earns money and is in a privileged position, I would find it difficult to spare 2,000 rand for a course, you know. So, yeah, I just I, I just wanted to touch on that. We, I mean, we don't have to solve the world's problems in one episode. But <laughs> yeah, I think it I is important to acknowledge. It. It's important to acknowledge that the it's hard to come by. And so don't expect that. Um, a nanny might be more than willing to upskill herself. But it, the reality is she can't do it without your help. No, I think that's true. And I think also, like, I wouldn't have it as a barrier to hiring someone because it is such an easy solve. Mm. Like once you've hired someone, it's very easy to put them in a CPR course if they haven't been able to afford it themselves. Because if you are earning 5,000 rand a month, 2,000 rand is a huge proportion of your salary, Mm -hmm. which is a pretty common salary band within Joburg, at least for Mm. nannies. So yeah, I do think that that I I would look at the person rather than look at the qualifications but if you can get a qualification as a nanny like if you've got the opportunity I would I would grab at it yeah jump um, at that yeah but it is hard to I mean it's, it's, it's a lot of it's a lot of money to afford uh, when you're earning a low wage so Sam a good CV is also really important and this is where agencies can help or even if you outsource it to someone who is willing to help you as a nanny from the nanny side, just create a nice document or a JPEG that lists your qualifications, have those documents handy, both uh, digitally. So make sure that you can WhatsApp it and in hard copy. I don't think a reference letter cuts it anymore. So I think you need reference numbers because I know that references are like, they're like the currency basically with, with getting employed as a nanny. You Mm. need good solid references that can give you, they, they can speak to your character, can speak to your experience, and um, people can ask questions that help them w- figure out who they're interviewing before they interview them, or after they've interviewed, they can check the things that they're worried about. Sure, but what I, I mean, what I mean is just that you know, a lot of people come with one hard copy reference letter to 
the, yes, the job yeah, no, interview. That's not going to cut it anymore. That's not going to yeah. cut it. You need you need to have a CV that you can send digitally. So just if if you are a nanny listening, try and get hold of, um, try and get a hold of, make all your documents digital, as in save them even as as JPEGs or as photos on your phone, yeah. so that you can WhatsApp not just one reference, but maybe a few of former employ employers, and then also your CV that you can WhatsApp that or email that to a potential employer or have that on hand at the agency or anybody assisting you so that somebody is able to read more about you before you meet up with them. Yes, I mean, agencies often will will help put together a CV and it is quite a tricky thing to do to know what's going to make you shine. Mm. So agencies are really great in that perspective for helping nannies get their CVs looking great and making it, like Sam said, easy to send out. I also know a lot of employers, like if they're immigrating or whatever, will happily help and then they put together a CV that they can send on to their, to their network, their right. friends, their WhatsApp groups. Um, and that is something you should take advantage of if you, if you can. So what's important for me, and it's something that I've experienced personally with my nanny, is that nannies and women in general forget all that they have to offer. And, and I think part of the upskilling and empowerment part of the partnership between an employer and an employee is that employers as women, I think we, we should work at showing our nannies their worth. You know, uh, my nanny came mm-hmm. to to my interview. She had just done a childcare and CPR course in January and she didn't bring those qualifications to the interview. I only found out about it after I hired her. <laughs> and I was like, why wow. on earth did you not tell me? And she said she didn't know if it would be worth it or not. And I was like, you are mad. So... I think yeah. I think the onus is also when you come talk about economic privilege here, the onus is on us as em- employers and people in a privileged position to speak to that worth and 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 just open the conversation like we're doing here. You know, really make it known that these are the important things. You worked, you went to that course, and that is a feather in your cap and a qualification that you can take to negotiate pay, for instance. For sure. And the experience you get on the job. I mean, you might have worked with a child with particular challenges. And I don't necessarily mean developmental challenges. I mean, maybe it was a very temperamental child or whatever. Right. Or you worked with twins or multiples. Or you did night work as well as day work. And you learned certain skills doing this thing as well as that thing. So I think there's so many ways to show your individual talents. But it is easy to forget those things when you're looking at yourself, right? I mean, no one... People get shy to to talk about how great they are, but it's actually so important when you're in the job application process. One hundred percent. A little bit about your skills. Yeah. So Sam, we've spoken a lot about qualifications now, but how do you know you can have the most qualified person cross your path, but if your personalities clash, you can forget about it, or if your baby's personality clashes or your child's personality clashes with that person. You might as well just, you know, look the other way right now. So how do you know if it's a good fit? Say you're in the interview and you think you click with this person, whether you're the employer or the nanny, but you don't know for sure. What are you looking out for? Well, I think it's a lot like, I mean, if we look at like traditional job processes, I mean, culture fit, right? It's such a big thing when it comes to hiring anyone. And it's the same for hiring a nanny. And in fact, even more so because it's a culture fit into a family, which is its own little microcosm, its own little unit. And I mean, like it's, you actually can't know for sure from an interview. It's, mm. it's not possible to tell that with a 
after 20 minutes or an hour. And Jackie agreed that this is really difficult to tell from an interview. So she suggested doing a warming up period or a paid trial where you pay them to come in for a week or a day to just kind of get a better sense of how you work together. Is this something you like if things aren't working, are there ways to work together to make it work? Or is this just not going to be a good relationship? Or maybe you head it off straight away. Mm. But yeah, let's, Jackie says it better in her own words. Yeah, let's hear what she has to say. It's difficult in the interview because both parties are putting on, you know, a facade, not a facade, but a, uh, they're testing the waters. So they don't really know each other. Uh, the candidate's very eager. The candidate might be desperate for work, so she agrees to everything. My personal experience, trial the nanny for a week. And it's on both parties' side. So you would pay her for the hours for that week worked, ask if she's able to do so, and you would see if it's a good family fit because they might have all this, the credentials, the CV's great, certificates are great, but maybe there's a personality clash. You know, you just don't get on with this person. And that's from both parties, you know. So I always say, look, trial them out for a week, see how it goes, pay them for the week, and then, you know, both parties should meet up afterwards and discuss things with the recruiter or, you know, discuss things with the family. And, and honesty is key, here, you know. So can you do the work? Are you happy with the hours, the children, the duties? Or is it too much uh, expected of you? That's some sound advice. I think it's really good. I think communication here, professionalism, attitude, empathy, and then a parenting plan, figuring out what you want and then in the context of all of that, sussing out if the week that you trialed or the month that you trialed went well, or maybe to raise flags of, you know, raise, raise issues with the person then and there so that you can figure out, is it going to continue in that vein or can the person change their behavior, whatever might be bothering you about the particular work situation? I really like your point about um, expectation setting as well in terms of hours, in terms of uh, duties. Like I know some nannies I've interviewed don't do any housework and that's completely that's completely fine. Mm-hmm. Just knowing to expect that when you've hired that person. Where some employers might expect a domestic worker who helps with the children rather than a nanny who helps with domestic work. So it's just, it's just setting expectations about what you both, like what, what kind of hours are, uh, like Jackie said, the hours, the, the responsibilities, the children, and all those things form part of the picture about whether this relationship will work. Mm, I think maybe it, uh, what would have been helpful for me going into it now retrospectively is setting up a contract before I hired so that I know, because for me it was a lot of, it was months of sussing out what I needed because I didn't know what I needed at the time. And that wasn't really fair on my nanny. She kind of like rode the waves with me. And, you know, I think I should have figured that out for myself before heading into that relationship. Um, Not that it really caused big issues, but I think it would have, we would have had clear lines delineated from the beginning. So what hours she worked and when her break was in the day and, you know, what meals would be provided for her, those types of things. And what and, and overtime, obviously, as well. Like there's been days that Ray's not home at, at you know, four, half past four, five, when my nanny Dixie leaves. And then I look at her in desperation and kind of go, can you please stay? And uh, she might have made plans ahead of time. And it's not really fair of me to ask her at the last minute, that type of thing. So, yeah, I, I feel like 
I needed to be sure in myself of what I would need or in the event of what I what I would require of her um, at the drop of a hat, I feel like I should have had that sussed out beforehand in retrospect. I think that's the kind of thing that ideally you would have, but I mean, like all moms know, there's so many moving parts with having kids and things change all the time. Like <laughs> suddenly, like right now, my little toddler has got a bad ear infection. So my needs have changed this week. You know, if suddenly my toddler wants to be on me all the time mm-hmm. and I'm my needs for my nanny are different from what they were last week. And I think it's just that open communication again and knowing kind of where the boundaries are. So like if you ask your nanny to stay late and she says, yes, you know, that's great. Um, is that overtime pay or is that part of her yeah. normal hours? You know, yeah. that's the kind of stuff you need to leave room for discussion. And that's the kind of stuff where there needs to be kind of space to work it out for both of you because it is a human relationship. It's not a cold, cut and dried, you know, deliverables work relationship like like other jobs. Yeah, it's very, it's very, very personal. And I think um, we forget, sometimes we forget to treat it as such. So, um, Sam, on that note, talking about the difficult things, can we talk about pay? I think that's the first port of call for a lot of people who are looking to hire a nanny. But at the same time, a lot of people don't like to talk about money. So we're going to go there. We're going to talk about money. That is why nannies are out looking for jobs. They want to be paid. And it's really the first question that I posed to you and to Charlene when I hired a nanny. What what am I looking for in terms of a budget? Because I was coming off of maternity leave unpaid and going into freelance work, having to to look for more work. So my financial situation was also in flux and it was very important for me to know how much money I needed to cover in a month if I was going to hire a nanny. And I think a lot of parents, that's going to also be their first port of call. So what have, in your research, what have you found in terms of fair remuneration? Well, I just want to say, first of all, that just going back to what I said at the beginning of this episode, that um, a lot of people, because there isn't any official documentation or official numbers to look at, people don't really know what the pay bands are. Mm. And this is where people are tapping into their network to find out like, well, what do you pay? You know, do you, what do, what do you ask for, for as much as you pay? And from the nanny side, I'm sure it's the same where they, where they're trying to work out what their colleagues and friends are being paid for, for the work that they do. So legally, Let's start from what the law requires us to pay. Not much. The minimum wage is 15 rand 57 per hour, which works out to 2,740 rand per month. Now, that's assuming that they're working five days a week for 45 hours, which is the, which, yeah. So 45 hours is the, like, legally mandated full working week. Anything over that is considered overtime. But in terms of what people do pay, 2,740 rand is not what anyone I know or what any of my researchers revealed. I think that's looking more at the, like the poorer areas where, like the the more rural areas, let me say, where where people will pay that little. And it really is geographically dependent with what people pay. So like Joburg, Cape Town, PE and Durban have all got different like norms for what the nanny salary is. So what would you say is a norm here in in Joburg where we are and as compared to, say, Cape Town? Uh, So a lot of our listeners are are sort of divided between those two cities. So that might be a good start, uh, you know, launch pad. Well, okay. Before I 
get into the numbers, I just want to say, first of all, that you have to include lunch breaks mm. and a rest break. So like you can't have your nanny working seven days a week. They have to have a 36 hour break between like a, say a Saturday and a Monday. They have to also have the ability to take leave, including sick leave and parental leave and maternity leave. And you need to be paying UIF, the unemployment insurance fund, mm-hmm. um, which is only 2% of their salary. The They provide 1% and the employer provides the other 1%. Mm-hmm. Which we'll be discussing in an upcoming episode. So if you are confused about UIF and what to do in terms of UIF, we will be discussing that. You don't have to worry about that now, but yeah. And lunch breaks. I think it's easy to forget lunch breaks. I know when, when my nanny takes a lunch break, I... Well, the you know, then I'm taking my lunch break looking after the kids. But it is important to provide that that break where they can eat and rest as well. Mm. Okay. Now back to what you actually asked me. <laughs> so in Johannesburg, the the range is generally about five thousand five hundred to six thousand five hundred. So five five to six five on average for five days a week, um, nine hours a day of work. Okay. In Cape Town, this is much higher, looking at seven five as the low band up to 8.5. And in Mukhlanga, you're looking at around 4,000 rand to 5,500 rand. Okay. So you can see it's a very different pay scales depending where you live. And in Cape Town, you're going to be spending much more on a nanny than in Johannesburg. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Super, super interesting. And um, I'm happy for those, you know, sort of ballparks so that we kind of know what's, what's the going rate because I've heard some shocking shockingly low rates not quite as low as 2700 but you know not far off from there for yeah. like six days a week and then we'll also be discussing in an upcoming episode live-in nannies where we where people employ employers assume that live-in nannies get paid less because you're providing them with food and you know uh, accommodation and i'm like yeah it's still work you know <laughs> still getting paid. yeah it's still work so, and in the end, you're the one who requires them to live in. But anyway, as you said, we'll dive into that in another episode. We will. So stay tuned, everybody. I just want to also add in that, that a lot of people pay transport in addition to the salary. So that's kind of quite a norm as well, is that you'll pay like 5,000 rand a month for the work. And then in addition to that, you'll pay an additional whatever their transport fees are. Yeah. Which for some people can be 50 rand a day, which adds up quite quickly. Yes, for sure. No, I was, I mean, my nanny, I hesitate to use myself as an example because I was using Uber uh, as a result of COVID. Yeah, um, my goodness. So, I mean, the situation is so whack at, at this point, but I was trying to use Uber just to lower the exposure, but it was costing me, in addition to my nanny's salary, 1200 to 1500 for her transport. Yeah. In addition to her salary, and that's before um, I, I've managed to find her accommodation literally less than a kilometer from my home. Um, wow. And that was after a few months of knowing, okay, you know what? I would really love her to stay and be part of my home and my family and be working here for a while. And so once we'd settled that and we developed a great working relationship, then, yeah, we we made sure that she stayed close by. So, yeah, like I say, it's, it is – it is so um, nuanced and there's so much to it. Like you say, there's so many moving parts. You can't really, you know, use one person as an example, but we can chat more about it as moms and kind of feel out, you know, what the other person is doing to kind of get a ballpark for 
what going rates are and what the typical behavior is and what ethical behavior is as well. But for sure, and I mean, you'll, you'll get people that'll pay significantly more than the numbers I've mentioned. One of the, the agencies I interviewed said that um, they actually recently placed an nanny for 16,000 rand a month, you know, and that's someone with more experience who's maybe working with uh, multiples like twins or triplets require special skills that get, often they get more pay for that or night work is often more highly paid, for example. Yeah. So so keep in mind, the numbers I said are, are certainly the norm, but people do go way up and above paying pension, paying medical aid and assisting in other ways as well. So uh, don't ever be shy to do more if you can. Let mm. me say that. <laughs> so um, I also wanted to say that sometimes it's hard to realize the kind of living expenses that your nanny has. Speaking to parents now, and I would recommend looking at livingwage.co.za. It's a great website that will help uh, kind of dig into, like, are they, um, is the nanny sending money back home, for example, mm. which would impact uh, what their living expenses are. So, I mean, you might pay them 5000 rand a month, but if they're spending two thousand rand on transport, sending home a thousand, and their rent is two thousand, you know where do they get groceries from? Yeah. So having that conversation with your nanny also helps you set a, a fair wage. That's great advice, Sam. So moving on, we did discuss uh, earlier that you have chatted to a few moms and nannies who are living this reality and about what either side expects from the hiring process. So um, who did you chat to when it comes to hiring and being hired, which is today's topic? So I spoke to two moms and two nannies from different parts of the country just to kind of get a feeling for what the lived real experience is for people um, and not just what people say should be happening, but what is really happening. And it's nice uh, to get some tips and advice from these real, real moms and real nannies. So I hope you guys enjoy uh, from the horse's mouth. So first up, we have Unati, who recently hired a nanny for her little one and has some advice for new moms who are about to start the process. Hi, this is Unati speaking. I am a first time mom based in Johannesburg. And I recently hired a nanny. In my experience, I found it very important to hire someone who's kind, someone who's patient, and someone who has actually worked with babies. So if you're looking to hire a nanny, I'd say learn to trust your gut. And secondly, when you find the person that you want or the person that you like, Treat them like they're your family, because you know what they say. Happy nanny, happy baby. <laughs> I don't know if that's a typical saying, happy nanny, happy baby, but it's a good one to live by, to be honest. <laughs> it is a pretty good one. I had that cross-stitch somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Sam, one thing we haven't spoken about is when your beloved domestic helper who may have been with you pre-kids or marriage even takes on the role as nanny. I mean, we have we did speak about it in your context, but yeah, there, there is such a thing as, as that. And, and then when you are a single parent, so Asha speaks, speaks to that and um, maybe we should hear from her first before delving into that topic. Hi, my name is Asha and I'm a Johannesburg-based mom. My nanny has been part of my family for five years now but was initially hired to be my domestic worker. The decision for me was an easy one because we had a great relationship to start with, 
adjusted her in my home and learned during maternity leave that she was exceptionally patient and supportive in dealing with my baby. In making the transition, I think it's really important to have that strong foundation of trust and open communication around expectations, preferences and approaches to childcare and what your priorities are, especially if she's still going to be taking care of other household responsibilities. So that's great advice from Asha. Hey, Sam? Oh, no, it's great. And I mean, she had quite a tumultuous journey to being a single parent. Um, she didn't start out as a single parent. And her nanny provided so much support to her. And I mean, often if you're, if you're a first-time par- parent, having an experienced nanny can be such a blessing because they know some parenting stuff that you don't know. Mm. Um, I think in this case, she ended up being a real backbone for the child as well who was going between two households. So yeah, I think I think she had some really good advice and she's a lovely mom as well. So talking about, you know, nannies who've been around the block before, you spoke to Tim Bellani from Cape Town, who is old hat at this and gained uh, some insight from her. So let's hear what she has to say. My name is Tim Bellani Soti and I'm from Cape Town. I've been a nanny for the past 15 years. Uh, my advice for new nannies is if you are looking for a job through an agency and try to research as much information about the agency before you make contact with them and ask as much questions as you can. And also during the interviews, don't be scared to ask the parents questions of things that you want to know about. The, also, you can ask them routines, salary, allergies. Some more great advice there, Sam. I loved your point about researching the agencies. I think mm. um, as a nanny, that's important to know that different agencies will represent you in different ways and have different requirements. So I think that's, that's a really, really good point to take home. Yeah, 100%. And the questions around, you know, what to ask, we've discussed all of this, but just, hey, what is your parenting plan? What what type of parent are you? Are you an attachment parent? How would you like me to discipline your child when it comes to that? What are the, the first, you know, Jackie mentioned sort of the numbers on the fridge. Make sure you know the emergency numbers. Make sure you know where everything is in the house, all the first aid stuff. You know, if the parent's not there, make sure you have, yeah, all the emergency contacts and, and just all the information that you need, allergy information, etc., that would make you the best possible caregiver for, um, you know, your employer's child. So lastly, we have Cape Town Nanny Orpa, who's been also been around for quite a while. You can tell from her experience that she's danced this dance uh, with mothers for quite a while. Hi, my name is Orpa Mopai and I'm based in Cape Town. I've been a nanny for 10 years. So when I'm going for an interview, the very first thing that I must know is the age group for the baby. It's very important to know the age group of the baby that you're going to work with. Also, when being interviewed with the mother, uh, you must also ask for a routine. You must know the routine for the mom. You must not come in with your own routine, but you have to ask from the mom. Thank you. Ah, Opa took the words out of my mouth. I jumped the gun there, but yes, exactly everything she said. You can tell she's experienced. I mean, she, she she's obviously worked in several households and knows what works and what doesn't work. And the routine thing is also so important. Yeah, one hundred percent. So, um, Sam, we'll be back next week to chat more, to hear from more experts, and to talk to nannies and moms who are 
going through this in real life and, and facing these challenges and learning from each other. So what will we be talking about in our next episode? So Sam, next week we're going to be delving into UIF, the Unemployment Insurance Fund, which is tricky, but it's super crucial, very, very important. And just apologies for the background noise here. We've got one of those famous Joburg thunder showers going on. <laughs> so I know just anecdotally from my, I'm in a bunch of mommy WhatsApp groups. Everyone is always asking about UIF, like how do we get my nanny on UIF? How do we claim? Um, how does this work? So this was a pain point I really thought we could help with. And we spoke to some really great experts to get best practice, to understand the law and the legal requirements, and some great tips on making it work because it really is such an important and one of those like life admin things mm. that feels sometimes going to feel like such a pain and so unnecessary, but it actually is really, really UIF is like really important. Yeah, none of us want to do it, but all of us have to do it. So listeners, if you have any comments or queries on this episode, as in hiring an Annie or being hired as an Annie, or a story of your own about the hiring process, please feel free to touch base with us at info at thegreatequalizer.co.za. And if you like this episode and found it useful for yourself or other moms, please feel free to rate and review us on your preferred listening platform. And remember to share this to your social networks because that's what's going to help other moms and nannies know more about this uh, tricky but important and um, often heartwarming relationship. So that's it for this installment of the Nanny Diaries. Tune in next week for more on uh, UIF. For more on today's show or for additional information on our expert guests, please head on over to our website at www.thegreatequalizer.co.za or catch up with The Great Equalizer podcast on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter. If you'd like to get in touch with Samantha Steele and the TGE gang, Email us at info at thegreatequalizer.co.za and we'll get back to you.